and like, well, I have like in my head rehearsed it, but we'll see how I do. Yeah, this is great. I am Bryn Johnson, and I am here today at the Angel Talk podcast, and we're switching things up today. Uh, normally, your host is Philip Kerrigan, and I have taken over the mic. I um, am your ambitious angel mom, and usually Philip is running the show, but today we're switching it up, and I am running the show. So we're doing something different. It's called Get to Know RFR, and our guest today is Philip Kerrigan. He is our executive director here at Race for Rowan. Um, Philip, why don't you say hello? Yes, yes. This is uh, this is different. This is different. I feel in control, you guys. This is really fun. <laughs> I don't like this feeling at all. <laughs> well, so for the last six weeks, we have had a series, uh, the five stages of grief, and we ended on finding meaning, and it's. It's been a really great series, but it's also been very heavy, and we wanted to kind of do something fun, and also, I've been sharing all about myself for each episode of this podcast, so we wanted you guys to get to know Philip, and what a better way than to ask Philip some questions that he uh, isn't prepared for (laughs) (laughs) to get to know Philip better. So with that, Philip, why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? Uh, Sure, sure. Well, I want to hear a little bit about your professional background before mm -hmm. you came to know Race for Rowan. What what was your past professional life like? Uh, Yeah, so I have been involved in nonprofit work in some way for the last, I want to say, 10 to 12 years. I worked at uh, my very first taste of nonprofit work professionally was with the uh, Washington State Combined Fund Drive, which is this organization that's actually a state government organization that allowed people who were state employees to give to charities of their choice through their paychecks. And um, I just got, it was not a plan. That was not what I wanted to do. I knew that I had wanted to be involved in nonprofit work in some way at some point in my life. I was working as just some dopey sort of communications person and like dopey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god! One of the four hundred and seventy-eight thousand communications people in in state governments around the country. I was just doing random stuff for for uh, the Secretary of State, um, the Washington Secretary of State, not the not the big one. Um, And then I we had we were acquiring this new program called the Combined Fund Drive Mm -hmm. from some other agency. And my boss at the time said, hey, you know, this new program's coming over that has to deal with like charity. And their marketing person quit on the way out the door as they were transferring. So uh, what do you think about doing the rest of their marketing? for the rest of the year. Oh, that's fine. And then maybe next year when we actually open up the position, you can apply. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, sure, I'll take a crack at it. And I had, I was self-taught with like Photoshops and all that sort of different stuff. I knew that I really liked that part. I really liked to be creative, but I didn't, hadn't taken any classes. So I was profoundly insecure about my ability to do any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I remember the first time I got all the design files for their upcoming posters and I opened one. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm way over my head. This is a terrible (laughs) idea. I should probably tell them I can't. And, uh, yeah, and I just dove into it, took a crack at it, kept kept, uh, learning and learning, Googling, YouTubing, doing everything I could, working on my skills, and then developed the materials for that very first campaign that I was on in 2010. And then from there, got hired for the job. 
It was a couple of years, and then I was again blessed with timing because the actual person who was running the program at the time retired, and my boss saw enough in me to promote me to that position. That is and awesome. And then I just, I, you know, I had all these ideas of what the thing could be and how cool it could be, and then, you know, just worked at it for a while. And uh, that was my first taste at, like, getting paid to do nonprofit work, which was pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, it was pretty fun. And so you were there, you said, for 10 years? Yeah. Yeah, for a full decade. I got wow. my 10-year pin, uh, t- my 10-year pin, which you get when you're at the state. <laughs> That's pretty cool. They give you a sweet Maybe little pin. Maybe we should do that. What, do a 10-year pin? That's a great idea. Somebody no, write that down. start at five. Yeah, yeah. How, I mean, how about five? It's only been no. our nonprofit, it's only been established for <laughs> right. five years. So nonprofit work is hard work. Five. Let's start at five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like that. Thank yeah. you for, um, yeah. you know, sharing that. And then yeah. tell us a little bit about your personal life. Like, what sure. do you do for, you know, hobbies? Yeah. And tell us about your family life and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, so we'll go all the way back. I was born yeah. on June 12th, 1980. <laughs> uh, I am a military brat. My dad was in the Army, and he actually met my mom uh, in Germany. She's a f- She was a full-on German citizen. She, uh, she and my dad met in the early 70s when he got stationed over in Germany. Mm-hmm. And um, they in- instantly had a connection. Uh, my grandmother, my Oma, Who's, a, who's their German grandmother. Oh, that's, she, I love that when yeah. I hear Oma. Oma. She loved my dad. Uh, my opa, my grandfather, mm-hmm. did not love my love my dad. Uh, he was an older guy, and, and like, um, you know, he came from the generation that fought during World War II for the Germans. And wow. um, he didn't really trust Americans all that much. Yeah. Uh, so they had a harder time getting to, like, know each other. But eventually my dad was able to get married to my mom. They had me. In uh, 1980, we moved around a ton. We moved everywhere. We were like Italy and Kansas and settled in Wisconsin for about eight or nine years, which was my second favorite place. And then we moved out here when I was 12. Wow. Yeah. So were you born in the United States or were you born? Oh, okay. I was born. And then you moved, you went back to Italy? Yeah. So I was born. They they got married. They came back here, moved to a couple of different bases before they had me. And then I was born in Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, literally like the middle part of America. Like, I I wonder if you could like put it on a map and it's dead center. It's, uh, there's nothing there. There's just (laughs) wheat fields. Um, And we lived there, I was was like six months old by the time we moved to Italy. Mm -hmm. And then we moved to the uh, coast of Italy a little place called Livorno, and I was there. Yeah, I was there for four years, swam in the Mediterranean when I was like four years old. Uh, Don't remember much of anything, just that there was an earthquake one time, and I remember that. Uh, And then that was when we moved to to Wisconsin, where I became a cheesehead and... Oh, my gosh. You know, grew so you've been hours. everywhere. Yeah. Been, moved around a lot. You've traveled a lot. Yeah, oh. moved around a lot. It helps you as you get older be a little bit more flexible, you know, mm-hmm. and you also get to uh, experience different types of people, which really help you as yeah. you get older kind of interact with people differently. Um, sure. You also develop uh, a thick skin for friendships because you don't keep a lot of them from time to time, right? Like you're moving yeah. around a lot. So I had lots of close friends in Wisconsin and then we left and I was super hurt. And then I went to like four or five schools here before they finally like found a place for my family to live on Fort Lewis. Uh, so, you know, you're meeting, you're meeting friends all the time and you're losing friends all the time. So you yeah. grow a little bit of a thick skin with that stuff. So we settled out here when I was 12. 
and then went to high school in a little in a little small town called Stillicum, Washington, about 30 minutes up the road, and then went to um, PLU for one year, and then the Evergreen State College for four. So you've stayed here for the longest part of your life. Yeah, this seems is like this area. Is this is my home. yeah. This is my home. Pacific Northwest. I'm a, I'm I am not a full PNW guy, mm-hmm. but I um I'm mostly a PNW yeah. guy. Yeah. No, this I would consider this my home more than anywhere. Yeah. You know, I got little residual effects of Wisconsin, but that's about it. So tell our listeners because we haven't got to the part you know about your life now. I mean. Yeah. Tell us about your life now. <laughs> oh, yeah, yes. Wife so, and kids. Oh, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I should probably mention them. Yeah, and your <laughs> hobbies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big, huge, I'm a big, huge sports fan. Huge sports fan. I, I you know, my dad was, in, was into sports, um, still is. My brother and I were into sports. We played everything. My dad coached us in every league that we possibly mm-hmm. ever entered in. Uh, specifically, I'm in love with the sport of basketball because I'm a tall guy. So they, the minute they notice that you're above a certain height when you're in seventh or eighth grade, they're like, you should play basketball. Right. And then it becomes an addiction <laughs> after that. Yeah. Uh, I, I do. I, I'm married to uh, my wife, Joanne, who is awesome. Love she her. is very awesome. She's very cool. Uh, I always give her credit for being where I'm at today. I think there's a lot of times where, she, where I have been nervous about moving I've been nervous about making changes. I've been nervous about my own skill levels. And she really just, you know, Helps always you. always gives me the confidence to, to move forward and actually try to better myself. Um, I have three kids. I have Thomas, who's eight. I have John, who is six. And we have Anne-Marie, who is four. So we have the three kids. I love it. Yeah. And ironically, folks, that's the same age as my kids. That's so, right. Uh, when I met Philip, that was something I instantly... Thought was really neat that we had our kids had all that the in same common. age. Had yeah. that common. And our and our our oldest sons mm-hmm. have actually interacted with have shot a video for yep. Race for All. They at, they I think would be really good friends if they spent more time together. Absolutely, seem I mean, like they have a lot in common. They do. They because Wyatt seems like a pretty sensitive guy. Very sensitive. Yeah, and Thomas mm-hmm. is a really sensitive guy. Yeah, and uh, they really. I'll tell you something right now. They listened amazingly when we shot this promo video. If if people haven't seen it, they will. And that that is Wyatt and Thomas's handiwork. That's yeah. their camera work. And they uh, our oldest boys. Our oldest boys. And so they they definitely uh, are pretty similar. Yeah. In in their styles. And then John is our John is our I always say that Thomas is our cat. So he's like with a, somebody answers the door, he like sneaks in the background and like doesn't necessarily interact with you yet. He wants to check him out. He checks him out, and then, he, and then when he likes him, he goes to him. And John is our dog. He's like oh, our big gosh. slobbery, like, hey! And like, oh, my he's, gosh. He's, he's, yeah. he's big time. Uh, and then Anne-Marie is just uh, adorable and, like, really just is a firecracker of a, of a little girl. She's so cute. Yeah, she's really cute. But She, she actually tough. starred in the video that we were referring to as well. She forced her way into the video, yeah. And she, she is just a doll. She's very cute, but she will bite. <laughs> She uh, she she goes she goes toe to toe with John all the time. So well, good uh, for her. Yeah, we live in a we live uh, in Olympia, mm-hmm. and um, we go to we go to St. Mike's. Um, we are you know we're a Catholic family. We attend Mass at St. Mike's on uh, every Sunday, and and then our kids go to St. Michael's School in Olympia. So after you know you worked at the state for ten years, and then you came to No Race for Rowan. Yes. Um, can you tell the listeners about? 
your first day on the job here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We we talked about putting this into the into the pod. So uh, I guess what I'd like to do is rewind just a little bit and talk about how I got to know yeah. Bryn, how we got to know you. Yeah, let's let's do and, that. And RFR. So I had known you for about two and a half years, mm-hmm. pro- only professionally, and only like. We would swoop in and out. We would swoop in and out of each other's kind of timeline. Yep. Uh, we'd shoot videos with you guys and podcasts with you guys. But one of the things that always resonated with me was um, your guys's mission, because I think that um, there's all. I, I was always moved by how Raise for Rowan when I was working at the CFD was this organization that was when it tried to enter at this very very hard moment in somebody's life. And do anything that 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 we could to try and help. Mm-hmm. And I always found that amazing, right? It's heavy work, yeah. Um, but it's it's work that is essential, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and so I always liked that about the mission. And I I was always, um, whenever we had conversations, I always left being like, that was a really great conversation. I've always felt positive. I and, felt that way too. Yeah, it was always really cool. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then um, just sort of randomly, I'd heard from a friend that that the position that the position of executive director opened up, and I reached out to you, and I thought, all right, well, we'll see if Bryn gets back to me, because we didn't quite know each other yeah. a ton yet. We just knew that we liked the vibe that we that we had, and. Um, then you got back to me within the afternoon. And I was like, oh, all right, okay, now we're off and running. And then from there, uh, we got, I got to meet the board, I got to meet Chris Hallett, I got to meet Stacy and, and Angela and Steve and everybody else on the board. And it was like, yeah, this is the place I want to go. And then it has been since the beginning the a nonprofit with the exact style that I, that I like. A small town where people really know each other, grew organically, mm-hmm. and uh, and – it's just fun to be a part of that. The first day, so it was weird how we did it. So, like, you and I, uh, like, you you had me meet uh, about four or five members of the board, I think. Yes. In an interview. Yes, he had actually a few interviews. So him and I had obviously already had a relationship, you know, through um, different functions uh-huh. and working with the CFD together and things like that. But um, so I had met with him to just do kind of a one-on-one informal interview. But... Um, our board did a formal interview as a panel, and um, he blew them away. Oh, you did knocked, I? Yeah, you knocked their socks off. Sweet. I mean, clearly you got the job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but <laughs> it, it kind of felt like um, a meant to be awesome answered prayer. I love that. Uh, and and I can say from our conversations moving forward that it felt like a great fit for both of yeah. us. I think like yeah. it it just seemed like your skills that you were bringing to the table was such a good fit for what we were needing and um, a good partnership to move forward. And, you know, now I'm happy to say that Philip runs the show. I'm I'm happy to say that too. Not just just the Angel Talk podcast show. I mean, he runs things here at Race for Roan and it's been a pleasure to have him here. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's awesome. And uh, the way we had set it up was that I put in my two weeks Mm-hmm. at the CFD. And um, really, it was like two weeks modified because basically we had a golf tournament Yes, at the same exact time you had a golf tournament. Oh, yes, the it day before. The day before. Yours was on Friday, mm-hmm. and then mine, the CFD, was on was on Saturday. Yes. So what I did was I put in my two weeks, but, my, but I technically worked until Thursday of that week. Then 
went out to the golf tournament to meet all of the board and significant donors and kind of interact and kind of get the vibe of like what an event looked like for RFR. Mm -hmm. And then I worked the golf tournament at CFD the next day. Yes. And then I was finally officially RFR staff that come in Monday. Yes. So that first day, I'm super nervous. It's been 10 years since I even had another, a new job. I'm not like a nomad by any stretch of the imagination. I don't move jobs often. I don't really actually love change all that much in my personal life. Uh, and so I was super nervous. I would have never known that you were nervous. Really? No, I, I oh had no gosh. clue. I well, mean, at that point in time, I, I just was like, come on out, Philip, you know, meet all the people. Yeah. And well, I'm a great freaking actor then because I was super yeah, nervous. I didn't even know. <laughs> so I was like, okay. And the other thing, too, was CFD is a little different of an animal now. Like, it's not like the same as like a private sector nonprofit. We mm -hmm. didn't have a board. We didn't have like, we don't have significant donors in the sense of like they're significantly giving to us. They right. would be picking their charities and giving to them. So our only job was always sort of be like the conduit. And that was mm -hmm. what you were trying to do. Um, so here I was like, now I have to impress a board. I have to, I have and to, our donors and our donors yeah. and, st and, and staff, staff and volunteers. And like you want to make yes. people feel like this is, you're putting a good guy in charge of this whole yeah. thing. When you're on, you're on in yeah. this role. Like yeah. you don't get a day off yeah. really. Cause you're just on 24 yeah. seven. Right. <laughs> Welcome aboard. <laughs> yeah, <Philip>. no. <laughs> that was not a part of the orientation. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so I, so I'm super nervous, and we're I'm pulling into the Olympia Golf and Country Club, which is where uh, the golf tournament is for the endowment for Race for Rowan Endowment. And I get in there, and I'm I'm driving our, our big car. So I'm driving. We call her Big Blue. She's our Ford <laughs> Expedition, uh, but she's fairly big. And I think I can make this parking spot. I'm pretty convinced I can. It's a tight fit, but I think I'll get there. So I'm pulling in, and as I'm pulling in, I hear this, and I look, and I completely damaged the back, the back side of this truck that I was trying to pull into. Oh, my god! And I'm like, oh, my God, I can't believe this happened. And it's not like, it wasn't like, oh, you can just rub that out. A little bit of elbow <laughs> grease will get that out. It was like oh that's god. significantly damaged. Yeah. Uh, I get out. Now I'm like... And can I say that it's usually really nice cars that are parked at this parking it's a, lot? It's like a private golf club. It's a private golf club, <laughs> you guys. So Philip's just coming in in big blue, hauling bucks. He's late. Not really, but well, he might have had a few. Yeah. And then on his first day, and he's like... Yeah. And wipes out some nice Porsche in the parking right. lot. <laughs> My 2008 Ford oh, Expedition geez. with 200,000 miles on it just oh, cracked into like a beautiful Chevy Silverado. Oh. Now I'm thinking... Oh, oh my God, that's like probably the board president yeah. or some huge donor. I'm f right. I'm fired before I start. This is it's over. It turns out that it's some guy who yeah. was just ha happened to be playing his final like back end back nine just randomly in the course before the mm -hmm. golf tournament started. Name was Manny. Manny's a delightful man, by the way. Talk to him for a while. He's a good man. So, so funny. The so I come up to you. Was it you? Because I mingled for a solid 15 yeah. minutes. Well, Philip didn't even, I mean, he came up there, just, you know, played it cool. Nobody knew that he had just sideswiped somebody in the parking lot. <laughs> so, yeah, he, you know, was working and mingling. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah, I think you came up to me and you were like, um. Can I talk to you for a second? Can I talk to you for a second? <laughs> 
And I'm like, oh, sure. What's up? Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. It was an awkward conversation. Yeah. What, did, what were you thinking when I said, hey, I think I just hit somebody's car? Oh, my jaw was dropped. I'm like, oh, my God. You've got to be kidding me. Oh, jeez. Like, what do you do? Uh, yeah. I'm I mean, like, well, you, you you've got you've to figure out whose car it is. I know. So I then mean, you walked me through the clubhouse. We went oh. to the guy, and then the guy ran it, and then he... He gave me the, he called up Manny. Like, Manny yeah. was just available. They yeah. knew his number. And uh, well, when you're a member at a country club, they yeah. just boop, boop, boop. Yep. Like, yep. Manny was really nice, just a really nice man. He said, Oh, well, you know what I'm going to try and do? Let's not get the insurance involved yet. I'm going to try and buff it out, buffer it out. And I, in my head, I was like, Manny, you're not buffering that out, bud. You got to take that to a, uh, a body shop. Yeah. Uh, so he did, but it was like the very first day I'm thinking, this is a disaster. Yeah, it was a little even nerve-wracking on my end because I'm like, I hope this isn't like a bad sign for like Philip's first right. day at work. Right, Like this is a little scary. I think you need, I, I, you don't know my history. I think it was actually one of those moments where eventually as we do this for a long period of time, uh, you'll get to a point where you're like, oh, Philip, that's just well, what happened. you've had some other car issues yes. just in the time that you've worked here over the last Correct. eight months. Correct. So I am starting to realize yeah. that there's a pattern. Yeah. My former my <laughs> former, my former, former boss, Secretary Wyman, uh, she would always be like, she would just laugh at my at like my random misfortunes while yes. I'm doing my professional job. She would just be like, oh, my God, Philip, that's ridiculous. It happened all the time. Actually, at your very first board meeting that you had to host, uh-huh. You had to go get so we host uh, monthly executive board meetings, and it was Philip's first or second board meeting that he was in charge of planning and hosting. Like I had given that job okay. duty to yeah, him, yeah, yeah. and you had to go up and get sushi for oh, all yeah. of us in oh, Olympia. Yeah. yeah, and his car was barreling smoke. Oh, it was amazing the whole way back, and he's like yes. just right until the wheels fall off, uh-huh. the smoke blown out of his car. Uh-huh. Just to get us back our sushi and be at the meeting on time. It's sacrifice. Genuine and sacrifice. You, you winged it. You got here. There was just a few minutes to spare. Cars overheating in the parking lot. <laughs> and we got our sushi. Little note, that car, she still exists. Oh, good. We just don't drive her. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that is just another. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There'll be a whole slew of those yeah. throughout my so time funny. here at Race for Rowan. Uh, it happens to be something that, like, I, I, I do. Uh, I kind of sort of like do 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 and then walk into like a whole bunch of different chaos. Yeah. Uh, but um, yeah, so it happens to me all the time. Yeah. And it just happened to happen on my first day. <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. Is, that is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> Philip, we're going to go into our sissy sign segment. Yeah. And we usually have me share a sissy sign. Or we also have shared sissy signs from our listeners mm-hmm. that they have wrote in and sent to us. But today I would like to ask Philip if he has a sissy sign that he could share. I do. I do. I actually, so this is one of those, uh, we were talking about this offline. I, this is one of my favorite segments cause I think it, it takes something cause I very much believe in, um, in those who pass entering into the spiritual world and, and into heaven and, and being a part of your life for the rest of your life. I very much believe that. Like they're all on your shoulders and they're always mm-hmm. around you. And that was also another reason why I think you and I really connected because I have always felt that way, that we are pushed forward by those who came before us and those who were in our lives, you know. Yeah. Um, and so when you can grab onto those signs, it's really neat. 
you know. Um, I, I have a sign from a person who actually it wasn't even a family member. It was just a, it was just a coworker that, that I had who I was very close to. She was a delightful woman. Uh, her name was uh, Terry Nelson when I first met her, and then it became Terry Huntley. And um, she was uh, just a lovely woman. She worked in our in the historical records at the Secretary of State. So her whole job was preserving history. Yeah. And she loved her job. She was great at it. We always talked. She cared for everybody. She had lost her own daughter um, to a rare form of cancer when her daughter was around 20 years old. Uh, and her daughter, they named her, they uh, nicknamed her Nellie. Um, and so she would always collect these pennies that she called Nellie pennies. Mm-hmm. And they were signs from her daughter yeah. uh, that she was still around. Uh, and so then, unfortunately, about five years into my time at the Secretary of State's office, uh, Terry was diagnosed with um, an aggressive form of lung cancer. She smoked for a long time, and unfortunately, it had finally caught up to her. And so she really didn't have much time left. Doctors really said, you know, the only thing we're going to do is make her comfortable. She, uh, you know, stayed in the hospital for about another three or four months, and then, you know, she passed away. So uh, it was toward the tail end. There was really like word that there was only about a week left mm-hmm. for Terry. And so oh, wow. I had not Jeez. yet, yeah, I had not made it yet to the hospital. So I went to the hospital <clears throat> because, you know, at the time you're, you're, you get like, I don't know how you feel, but you get, you get, I was always nervous going into hospitals and going mm-hmm. to see somebody uh, who was sick. I think that's a natural Thing. Yeah, and you Natural don't know what feeling. to say, and, you, and yeah. you're kind of like, you know, you're dealing with your own feelings mm-hmm. and all this stuff. So I went um, and talked with her, and just kind of, you know, she wasn't really lucid anymore. Uh, she only lasted another two days, actually, after that. And when I came back to my office, there was a penny that was not sitting there, sitting on my chair. Wow. And I still have that penny to this day. I taped it to the Aww. back of her business card, and I take it with me. Oh, my gosh. I have yeah. goosebumps. Yeah. So, See, I love these sissy signs. Yeah, they're really great. So and that's so your that's Nelly penny. I'm, yeah, that's my Nelly penny. And, I love it. you know, it just reminds you because she was always just such a joy. She never um, she never really uh, actively judged anybody. She mm-hmm. really tried as hard as she could. She could get to know people and always had a really positive attitude. And I just always carry it with me because it reminds me, like, you don't have a ton of time, yeah. and so you better make sure that you're good to people. Yeah. Yeah. That is really neat. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, absolutely. All right, folks, we are going to do something new. We have not done this before, but we thought it would be something fun. Yeah. Maybe entertaining. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be called our lightning round. So, Philip, if mm-hmm. you were trapped on a desert island, yes. what three things would you bring out of each category? We are going to start with movies. Okay. So this is going to give people a glimpse into the type of dude that I am, which is like stuck in my 20s. Um <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. My number one movie of all time still allows me, it still uh, gets me writing because I still write today, uh, is Good Will Hunting. One of my favorite Ooh, movies ever. Yeah. Ever. Good I Will like Hunting. That. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. Okay. Uh, just a good movie about boys and friendship and cursing and fantastic. Uh, I like it. <laughs> uh, my, my next movie is also a movie about boys and friendship and growing up, and that is the movie in the 80s called Stand By Me. It was the oh, first movie. One. It was the first movie I ever watched with curse words. I couldn't believe what I was hearing. There's a pattern of curse words. In yeah, this yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that 
that must be your outlet. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Well, my mom hated cursing, so she never let me watch anything with cursing. So it was really special. Yeah, and then she, like, my mom's so awesome. She, like, brought the stand by me and she, like, in, and she said, now this is a movie about boys and friendship and growing up. I just want to let you know there is some bad words in it. (laughs) And then we played it. And I was like, oh "Oh my God, there's so many bad words. That's awesome. Uh, And then my final movie is just like a, it's just like a great dude movie, Gladiator. Oh, Gladiator. Gladiator. Yeah, that is a good dude movie. Yeah, it's just a great dude movie. You can put it on, you can be like, let's go. Let's, Let's swing some swords around. Let's do some stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So those are my three, those are my top three movies. Nice. Mm-hmm. All right. What are your top three books? Well, I, yes, I love this category too, because I read, I hope, I think I read a lot. I take a long time to read a book. I don't read it very quick. Um, I am a non-fiction historical person. History was always one of my favorite subjects growing up in, in school, still is today. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I'm teaching the kids during quarantine, history is always my favorite thing to teach. Uh, and so my three books all kind of surround history. Mm-hmm. My favorite all-time book is a book called Havana Nocturne, and it is a book about the Cuban Revolution and how the mafia oh. ran Cuba before Fidel Castro took over Cuba. And Interesting. It, yes, I know that. Never it's, even heard of this. I know it's like sounds like this. Like it is a bestseller. Yeah. For like a week. But. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds interesting. It is. It's told like it's a novel. Like, How did you even stumble across this book? I was watching some show. The guy The guy ended up coming on, and um, he had written some books on, like, the mafia mm-hmm. and Irish mob or whatever. And then he was talking specifically about this book. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah. So then I picked it up, and it was like, it was like reading a novel where all of the characters were real, though. Like, he found all these historical things, and you were just like, I can't believe what I'm reading. This feels like wow. they've painted this picture of these historical characters. And I've always been interested in, in like, that par- portion of history, the, mm-hmm. the, the 60s and 70s, specifically with America. And so that, and that was part of what I went to college for, was to study history. And so that was, like, right in my wheelhouse of, like, the stuff I found really interesting. And then cool. it was just a great book. Like, I would recommend it to people who like history mm-hmm. and who like um, American history. It's very cool. Um, my other one is also American history. It is, um, I know it's not like super duper serious, but there's a book called Opening Day. It's mm-hmm. the story of Jackie Robinson's first year as a baseball player in oh. the major leagues and how he broke the color barrier and what he had to experience in order to do that, like the the taunting and, and like the the sort of like times he would go to certain ballparks and they wouldn't let him in or he wouldn't be able to stay in the same hotel as his, as his fellow baseball players. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like how tough he was, even though people don't really think of him as a tough guy, he was super tough. Like, and he was really like resolute. It was a very good book. It's all about his first year in the, in the major leagues, breaking yeah. the color barrier and how hard it was for him. This is a very cool book. Cool. And then my final book is a super duper hopeful book. Uh, it's called A Path Appears, mm-hmm. um, and it was written by he. this guy. He's an author. He works for the New York Times. And today, of course, we experience all of this. We're seeing it now. We experience all this negative news, this hard news, and it's hard for you to find people who are authentically changing mm-hmm. the system and authentically helping people in, like, a real way. Uh, it, you sometimes have to dig deep through yeah. the news to find it. And he wrote a whole book on the heroes around the world who have done things like build wells for their communities, 
opened hospitals in Africa for their own communities, all these sort of different stories of people who have done incredibly good things and how you can, how we can learn from those people doing those little things and then um, take that into our own systems and existence and do it ourselves. Mm-hmm. And then the final one, I know this is, this is number four, but it gets on emotion, <laughs> is a book called The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. It is the story of a young guy from Africa, totally broke, trying to find electricity for his village. Oh and my he gosh, learns, I've heard about this. Yes, and he learns how to build a freaking windmill on his own, and he builds a windmill that's able to power his whole community. Wow. It was awesome. Boy Who Harnessed the Wind, great too. Cool. Yeah. So I like the hopeful books and crime. <laughs> and crime. Well, none of your books had crime, but. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, the Havana Nocturne's well, got yeah. some criminal Maybe elements. Havana. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> what three music artists? Now, these don't laugh at They're my not selections. Laugh. Yeah, people laugh. I'm a child of the 90s. I don't know what you want me to tell you. So okay. here are my bands that I would that I would listen to. So it's There's a, no judgment here. I like all you. genres of music. So it's a so my mentality here is it's a deserted island. Yeah. It's probably tropical. Yes. Probably sunny. Got some palm trees, maybe okay. some coconuts. Yep. I'm going to need a little bit modern day beach boys in there. Sugar Ray is making the list. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. Okay, I laughed. Yeah, I know. See, I knew it. I knew it. Oh, Uh, Yeah, no, I know. I had to apologize for my love of Sugar Ray for years. That is hysterical. Yes, yes. And, uh, yeah. So, and I still listen to them today when it's a nice summer day. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, And then the other one you're going to laugh, too. Uh, Hootie and the Blowfish. Hey, Hootie was really cool back in the day. I thought Hootie was awesome. Yeah, I I had some Hootie songs. Yeah, yeah, I I loved Hootie and the Blowfish. Yes. Yeah, so uh, that's another one. Boy, people are going to be like, wow, who did you hire? Uh, and then I I decided to specific because I couldn't narrow it down. I was gonna I was gonna be even grosser and go with like Limp Biscuit, and everyone oh, would have been like, "You're stupid." No. So I didn't do that. Uh, I ended up picking a song specifically that has been remade a million times, but every time I hear it remade, it's fantastic. There's mm-hmm. a song called "All Along the Watchtower" by Jimi Hendrix originally. Oh, okay. And Bob Dylan. And then there's a new guy who's done it. And then Ed Sheeran actually did a version of it with a with a British rapper guy. All of them great. Could listen to all of them over and over and over again. This um, one. Yeah. Uh, you can only bring three survival tools with you on this yeah. desert island. Yeah. And what would they be and why? Yeah. So this is not my wheelhouse. You're, uh, and that's I'm, why I asked I know, because I might have to ask, like, my brother-in-law or your husband, like, what should I bring? Uh, so... Um, Geez, survival tools. I feel like shouldn't you should always bring like a shovel, right? Like that feels good. <laughs> okay, and why would you bring your shovel? I don't know. You can dig things up. But <laughs> uh, an axe definitely would bring one of those. You can cut some trees down, build a Perfect. nice house. Yep, that makes sense. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, I do feel like a gun should be in there somewhere. A gun would be a good tool too. Right, you can get some animals. So I'm gonna I'm gonna change my shovel. Yeah. To a to a gun okay. or a rifle or something. Okay. And then matches, right? Good idea. Because you can, yeah. Because I mean, then you can do yeah. fire, and everything comes yep. from that. Fire and shelter and water and food. So you can tell exactly what I concentrated on when I was a kid. It was movies, music, and no survival. <laughs> 
I could just picture you listening to your '90s music on your deserted <laughs> island. I've got Sugar Ray in the background. Yeah. I'm building my little. I'm building my little teepee like every morning. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I think for a survival tool, I would bring some alcohol. Oh wow, that's really good. That yeah. just popped into my head, but that's I mean, really good. No, that's a good call. That's probably. Right? I mean, because you could use it as obviously an antiseptic, but cocktails too. Dang I mean. It. Yeah, that's that just really popped good. into my head. I don't that's mean to really like. Good. No, no, no. I like that a lot. I mean, it could even be like you could uh, have your matches and start a fire with that. Yeah. Or, yeah, that's really good. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to do these questions with you. This is funny. This is awesome. It is funny. How do you feel? I have a question for you. How do you feel about hosting your very first, your very first uh, podcast? Well, I thought it was fun. I don't know how I did because I've never done this before. I think you held your own. But uh, bear with me, folks. This is my first never uh, hosting gig. I know. But you, I like it. You did it. You I like did it. it. Yeah. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Sometimes I don't want to be the one always talking. I know. I know. So this I is hope, funny. I hope I didn't ramble too much, but yeah. No, no. this is great. We got to learn about Philip's mm-hmm. first day at work and his car <laughs> <laughs> issues and got to dive in and get to know you a little better. And I think that's great because... Mm-hmm. Here's our host of the show, folks, Philip Kerrigan, our new, you know, executive director here at Race for yeah. Owen, and I'm glad you guys could get to know him and who he is. Yeah. He's a good time. He's always making me laugh, and <laughs> these are the reasons why. Yeah. <laughs> it's always really entertaining. We yeah. laugh all the time. Yeah, yeah. So. That was pretty good. I have to say one last thing. I really do love everybody uh, so, uh, who I've interacted with for Race for Owen, starting with starting with you, Bryn. It was the Thank very you. first, very first person I ever got to know, uh, and I knew right away, based on our interactions and and our relationship, that I was like, yeah, I'm really gonna like this place, and it has been awesome getting to know the board, getting to know the people, and then getting to know some of these families who really show a lot of gratitude. It's very cool. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Well, it's been awesome to have you here. Yeah. Thanks a lot. All right. Thanks, All right. everybody. We will we'll hear. Uh, <laughs> all the way up. to the end, she did it. <laughs> everybody, we will tune in next week, and Philip will be back on the mic. But we are going to do more of these, get to yes. know RFR, and we will be featuring um, our other staff member and some of our Race for Rowan board members and volunteers. So right. can't all right. wait. All right. Bye. Bye.